Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back to another Q&A episode with Coach Lauren and myself. Lauren, happy Friday. How are you? Yes, happy Friday to you too. I am good. This is the start of a four-day weekend for us here. So yeah, just looking forward to a couple days off and lots of kid activities and all the fun things going on. It's kind of rude for us to talk about how excited we are for the weekend when this is going to air on a Wednesday. Oh, sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But you're on hump day. You're over You're You're getting over the hump of the week. The weekend is within reach. You're almost there. And hey, who the heck knows when people actually listen to this anyway? You know, it could be a Friday. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Lauren, we have a lot of questions today and I'm actually excited for some of these. Some of them are like icebreakers. We're going to do like rapid speed and some of them are a little bit more involved and I think will be so helpful for our audience to hear us dissect. Are you ready for the first couple rapid fire questions? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm excited for these. First question. This one came in on Instagram. What's your favorite kimchi? And I think before you tell us your favorite let's maybe just establish what kimchi is first. Are you a kimchi eater? I don't even know. I was going to say, I have to throw this one back to you. I don't eat kimchi and I can't say I know really anything about it. So I'm tossing this one back to you. I think there's a lot of people who probably don't know anything about kimchi. First and foremost, for those who may be unaware, kimchi is a traditional Korean side dish of salted and fermented vegetables. And I think there can be like a a ton of different veggies, but I think primarily it's cabbage based and kimchi has been shown to be pretty beneficial for gut health. So other fermented foods that you might've heard about sauerkraut, tempeh and kefir kimchi falls right into that category. And like all other vegetables, kimchi contains a lot of great nutrients that may positively impact immunity, heart health, brain health, and the gut. So if you struggle with gut stuff, maybe some bloating, some reflux, IBS, maybe something to try. I love kimchi mostly because it provides like a tangy flavor that adds a lot of zing to any dish. So I personally buy a local kimchi here just because I like it. I like the finely shredded cabbage and I just put it on top of salads and it adds a lot of flavor. My husband does make a delicious dish. It's called a Jim Bim Bop, which is a very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) If you've never had it before, you should check it out. It's a rice base and like a marinated steak Lauren, you would need to sub that and some veggies with like sesame oil. And then you put like a fried egg on top and then kimchi on the very top. So it just adds like a lot of flavor to the dish. It's so, so scrumptious. So amazing. So I can't really answer this question in terms of like what would be applicable to everybody listening because my favorite is from here, Sarasota, Florida. I get it at Whole Foods. However, as a Costco fan, I know Costco has kimchi It's very cost effective. The only thing that I personally don't love about it is they use like thicker pieces of vegetables. But if you're looking to test it out, Costco, if you have a membership. 
Okay. I'm glad that you explained what it was. I mean, I knew that it was a Korean food. I knew it was a fermented food, but I guess I didn't know anything else beyond that. I will say that I do sauerkraut sometimes um, for the gut health benefits. And I will literally just have like two forkfuls before why I'm like prepping my lunch. Literally, like I don't really want it in something necessarily, but just for the gut health benefits, I will just have like two forkfuls why I'm making whatever else I'm making. And I also do love pickled onions on almost anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're going for that, yes, the, the fermented foods for the gut health benefits, pickled onions. And I think you can buy them, like you said, very inexpensive at most grocery stores. So, and actually, if you follow, I believe it's Lily Eats and Tells. She's like a macro-friendly, like, cook page, um, like recipe page. She has a recipe for pickled onions that's like super, super easy. And it takes them just like 15 minutes to like become pickled. And you can just make them ahead of time and keep them in your fridge. So that's even more inexpensive and super, super easy. And just like a quick, easy thing to add to your meal prep too. If you want to try to get the benefits of fermented food. Yeah, I think give it a try. I mean, it's something that a lot of people just don't even experiment with because they're unfamiliar with it, but I love it. And like you said, I actually am recalling in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I am from, we had a favorite restaurant there and they would serve you like a a large spoon of just kimchi before your meal came. So it was almost like a little appetizer. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tasty. It's like you said, it's like really salty and it has a lot of flavor and you don't need a ton to get the benefits. So just a little, yeah, a little appetizer while you're making your lunch. (laughs) A little goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't really rapid fire. We're bad at these. Um, The next rapid fire question, how do you make your roasted vegetables? I mean, it depends on the vegetable, like how long you're going to be roasting them for. But for the most part, I roast at 400 degrees. I use a little bit of olive oil, salt, pepper, and garlic powder and pop them in for, again, depending on the vegetable, something like a potato, cauliflower, those are going to take longer than something like green beans or asparagus or peppers or something. Um, But yeah, 400 degrees, salt, pepper, garlic powder, and olive oil. I keep it really simple that way. I will do, sometimes I'll do like two huge trays. So one with something, like I said, like cauliflower potatoes that takes longer to roast. And then I'll swap it out for like broccoli doesn't take as long, um, peppers, onions, things like that. And then I'll put that one in there for just a little bit less. So you can do two huge trays, pretty much hands off and have them prepped and ready to go and throw in all your meals. Yes. I, my answer was like the easiest way possible. If I'm going to make vegetables, you bet your bottom dollar, I'm going to make a whole heap of vegetables and put them on baking trays because why not? You can keep them in the fridge, use them all week long. You can even add them to like your egg scrambles in the morning. Sometimes I'll do that if I have leftovers, but I love a little olive oil spray on my baking sheet. I chop up my veggies, put them on my baking sheet, same seasonings, usually salt, pepper, garlic powder, chili powder, paprika are kind of like our go-to's. I will say, depending on the vegetable, if I want to add a little note of sweetness, I'll use coconut aminos as well, which is basically a lower sodium soy sauce alternative. Love that on some roasted broccoli. It just gives it some like moisture and just like I said, a little sweet note, but super simple. I don't think you can go wrong with roasted vegetables. Like the roasting kind of brings out the sweet flavor. Yeah, So it's really just adding whatever herbs and spices you feel like would complement what you're making. And you can, I mean, 
it's such an easy way to like clean out your fridge. Like I'm sitting here thinking right now I have leftover like zucchini and some squash in there and I can roast those up and add them to a side for any meal. Tonight we're having sweet potatoes. So that'll be a super easy roasted vegetable and I'll have leftovers for the next couple of days. Like, like you said, if you're going to do it, cause it is a little time consuming. I mean, it's hands off, but it takes time to roast in the oven, make a huge pan and use them for leftovers. And then you have no excuse not to eat your veggies. <laughs> yep. I always start my veggies first. So if I'm doing like a little meal prep, or even if I just have something else to do in the kitchen, like I have to wipe down the counters and wash the dishes or unload the dishwasher, I will throw them in the oven and then just kind of forget about them. I mean, I'll set a timer so I don't actually forget about them, <laughs> but they just kind of do the work while you're doing something else. Like you said, yeah. it, it requires time, but that's about it. Yeah. It's hands-off time too. It's just, I mean, how long does it take to chop? <laughs> just a couple minutes. Yes. And if you really don't want to chop, you can use vegetables that you don't need to chop. I mean, asparagus, maybe you just cut off the ends. Like you could get pre like Costco speaking of, can you tell the Costco fan <laughs> get like those broccoli florets? You don't even need to chop off the ends. It's already done for you. Like I was talking to a client the other day on a discovery call, one of our new clients. And she said she likes to cheat sometimes by buying salad mixes and pre-chopped vegetables. And I said, no, 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 no. We don't call that cheating around here. We just call that taking advantage of the resources that are available to you. You don't have to feel bad about that. That is just making your life easier. Oh my gosh. That was, I actually was having this thought last night. I made a vegetable like bean soup and I was chopping the onion, the carrot and the celery, which I had the time to do. It was fine. But I was thinking like, Beyond that, it was just dumping things into a pot. And I know at my grocery stores, they have those like containers of pre-chopped, it's celery, carrots, and onion. And like, if I was really on a time crunch, I could have just bought that and literally dumped everything that I was putting in the soup into a pot and let it simmer and boil and make itself. And it probably would have taken less than 10 minutes to get that thing together. I mean, even with the chopping, it took like 15. So yeah, don't feel bad for using shortcuts. That's what they're there for. They're to make your life easier. Amen. Simple is sometimes the most effective solution. Exactly. Okay. Turns out we're really bad at rapid fire. So we're not going <laughs> to try to do that to anymore. Say. <laughs> <laughs> but this question I love, this one came in through Facebook. And the question was, what are some habits that you're addicted to? Oh, this is a good one. So my health promoting habits, I'm definitely... I don't want to say addicted to, but I am hooked on working out. It fuels me mentally. It gives me time to myself. And I know that might sound annoying to anybody who's like, I hate working out. (laughs) But trust me, I did not start out this way. It's just the more I did it, the better I felt. I love reaching a new PR in the gym. I love hitting a fastest time on a mile. Like I just love getting out there and accomplishing a good workout. To me, it's just the best way to start my day. So I would definitely say I'm addicted to a regular movement routine. I am also somewhat addicted to giant salads for lunch. It's like my favorite thing to have for lunch. I'm usually hungry by that point and I want a big meal and there's just nothing better to me than sitting down with like a big bowl of delicious foods. And there's so many combinations you can make. I definitely get hooked on certain flavor combos for a while and then I'll start to switch switch it up. But I can never get bored because there's so many different kinds to make. And I just love, I mean, I'm a volume eater. So I love having just a big old bowl of salad for lunch. I miss it when I don't get a habit. 
So those are the two that come to mind. And then if you want to kind of, if I want to fess up to maybe some less health promoting habits, I would say a habit of mine is I do like to end my day on a sweet note. I like to have a little dessert or treat at the end of the day after the kids go to bed. That's definitely a habit of mine. Okay, but that's not a bad habit. No, (laughs) it's uh, no, it's not. I don't really I don't even really want to say bad habit because I don't think they are any bad habits. They all fit into the context of my overall healthy lifestyle Um, and definitely hooked on a diet soda a day for sure. A thousand percent. I love it. And I will never say that's a bad habit because it brings me so much joy. (laughs) I love my one diet soda a day. I wish I could live off of diet Dr. Pepper. I cannot. (laughs) So I do limit it to one a day and I love every sip of it. Oh, those were such great answers. This was such an interesting question for me to think about because anytime I see the word like addiction, it gives me pause because of my personal experience with the disease that is addiction. So I just want to for a second talk about the fundamental difference between the two. And you even said this at the beginning, you like caught yourself and you're like, I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it, but I'm like hooked. I do it repeatedly. So just for a second, go with me here. The most important distinction, I think, between habit and addiction is how choice is still possible with habit-forming behaviors. However, when it comes to addiction, people generally have a harder time making decisions because of their dependence on the substance or the behavior or the practice because of their altered brain state that affects the reward system, like the dopamine in our brains, which explains why addiction has this overarching power with stripping people from the ability to make rational decisions, right? Like, I can't tell you how many times I would go to my brother and be like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you struggling so much? Like, you're like, look at like, this just does not make sense. What are you doing? And it just didn't connect. It didn't click. So habits are more choice-based. Addiction is more neurologically and biologically bound. And once again, that's why it's not as simple as going to someone who is struggling with addiction or substance use and say, why can't you just do better? Like, why can't you just choose not to do this thing? So if you feel like you're truly struggling with addiction, whether it's food or booze or some other type of substance or practice, please seek out some professional help. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA, has a national helpline. It's confidential, it's free, and it's open 24 hours a day. So if that's a resource you need, hit me up. I will happily connect you with that. But that being said, a few habits that I choose to repeat and plan to continue repeating because I love the outcome that it provides, going to sleep as early as a grandma. I will forever be in bed early if I have any say or control over the circumstances. 9, 9.30, you send me a message. I'm not getting it till the next day because I am snoozing. Another one that I love is taking my dogs for a walk. Like this didn't start as a habit. It started as a, oh, my dogs need to go for a walk. And it's probably good for me to go for a walk too. Now it's just what we do. Like we try to get one in the morning. We try to get one in the evening. If that doesn't happen, it feels weird because it is a habit. I also said, Lauren, having a big ass salad or at least some type of like veggie based meal once per day, habit I love, scheduling my workouts on my calendar. And this is one I really love that actually I have to give credit to my parents reading instead of watching TV. We were not big TV people growing up. And again, like something that gets repeated over and over again quickly becomes a habit. So I will always rather open a book than watch TV. And that's a habit that I just am really thankful for. 
So I hope that answers the question. I know I got on my soapbox for a little bit, but I just felt like distinguishing between the two was important. I, I think it's a very important distinction because I, those kind of silly phrases can get thrown around a lot, but they do have an impact on people who have had experience and close up encounters with the disease of addiction. So right. I think it was a good, a good distinction for sure. And I have to say also addicted to sleep and early bedtimes. <laughs> like I, me and my husband kind of joke about it, but I'm like, what are people doing after nine 30 that they need to be awake? Like, just go to bed. Yeah. Go to sleep. What are you doing? <laughs> baby grandma, happy to be in the baby grandma club. So happy. No, no need for me to do anything past 10 PM at night. So no, <laughs> never. <laughs> Oh, the next question is also a hefty one. Lauren, are you ready for this? Okay. How do I know the difference between emotional eating and a treat? Oh, I love this one. I love this one as somebody who has struggled with emotional eating, who struggled with emotional eating for a long time. To me, emotional eating, you don't feel in control or you're doing it not because there's maybe like it's Christmas and there's some cookies you want to try or it's your birthday and you're going to have a slice of cake or it's a beautiful summer day and you and your kids are going to go grab some ice cream. It's I'm bored. I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. I'm having some kind of negative emotion that's making me uncomfortable and I need to numb it. And so I'm going to choose to turn to food for that. Even if all of that isn't necessarily done consciously, that's what's happening. So that to me is the very big difference between it's basically the driver behind why are you eating it? So if you can kind of stop and say, okay, well, why am I eating this? Am I eating this to have a memory with my kids? Am I eating this because it's a tasty holiday food that I want to enjoy? Am I eating it because this is a fun little social gathering and I wanted to try a few of these fun foods? Or am I eating it because I have this negative emotion and I don't know how else to make myself feel better besides turning to food? So just getting curious with yourself. And the why behind what you're choosing to eat, I think, is, is going to help determine what is the difference between emotional eating versus just making memories and not being too restrictive. And I think there's be really patient with yourself. There's a big learning curve here. But once you just kind of dig into, well, it's a random Tuesday night and I had a long, hard day and now I'm like elbow deep into a bag of Doritos, that's less of a treat and much more of an emotional response to a bad hard day or something like that. So get curious, ask yourself, why am I eating this right now? What is this food doing for me in the moment? Is there another way I could have coped with this emotion or am I happy with this decision to eat this fun food or whatever it is? I couldn't agree more. I think this one gets a little confusing because so often we can tell ourselves, oh, I deserve to have a treat or I've earned a treat. But again, it all comes back to the motivation behind that thought process. Is it because you're stressed that you feel like you deserve to have a treat? Okay, well, that would still be emotional eating because the motivation is trying to numb or soothe or just distract yourself from feeling that hard thing rather than intentionally choosing to enjoy something that's going to bring you some pleasure or you know some satisfaction for a while. So I think it comes down to why am I eating this? What's the, the trigger here, the driving force? How am I feeling? right now. And then I also like to encourage our clients to ask, will eating this thing result in the outcome I desire? Will I feel less stressed or will I still be stressed? I just now will have, have a couple extra hundred calories in the tank and still be stressed. So I think that was a great question. And sometimes it can be hard to distinguish, but like you said, Lauren, I think pausing before acting and 
just asking, like, what is this? Why am I doing this? Noticing and naming is what we call it. Yeah. Just get curious. If you're noticing that lots and lots of, you know, fun foods and beverages are sneaking their way into your diet and it's not giving you the results you want, get a little curious and dig deep and ask yourself, why are you consuming these foods in these quantities? Yes. Next question came in from Facebook. What is your biggest piece of advice for someone when they are looking to lose weight or change their diet to be healthy? If you had to tell oh, someone no. one thing. One thing, this is pretty easy for me. I, if you follow me on Instagram, I say it, I feel like I say it every single day. Add in protein and fiber. It's as simple as that. Don't focus on taking anything away. Just add in protein. And we talk to death about protein sources on the podcast, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, add in protein and add in fiber. And fiber you're going to get from any plant. So fruits and veggies, legumes, beans, nuts, seeds, all those delicious foods. Start by adding those two things in first. Because not only is it much more manageable to think about adding things into your diet versus taking away your favorite things, but it's also just going to create better, healthier habits. And it's going to make it easier to then cut back a little bit on those fun food and beverages that maybe are the deterrent to you losing weight, to you reaching your goal. So number one tip, add in, focus on adding in before taking away. I love nutrition by addition. Yes. Yes. We went in two different directions for this, which I actually love. So when thinking about the biggest piece of advice I would give someone if they're looking to lose weight or change their diet, I think I would say if you can't see yourself doing something for the long haul, don't attempt to lose weight that way. This applies to anything. So for example, Ozempic, all the rage right now when it comes to weight loss, and there are the bazillion celebrities who have demonstrated that yes, Ozempic can result in weight loss. However, there's been also a ton of emerging research that shows that as with most other weight loss efforts, when you stop using Ozempic, the weight comes back. If you lose weight via calorie counting and you stop counting calories, will you be able to maintain your results? If you lose weight via cutting carbs and you stop cutting carbs, will you be able to maintain your results? If you lose weight via exercising 17 times a day and you stop exercising 17 times a day, will you be able to maintain your results? I'm being super dramatic, but I hope you get the idea. You have to find a way to create change in your diet and in your lifestyle that you can confidently stick with if you want the weight loss to stick and you want the health gain that you get from these changes to stick. And I will argue to the death that the best way to do this is to develop healthy eating skills and habits like we were just talking about that you feel really good about adding to your everyday life because then your behaviors are going to stick around and guess what? The results that you create are going to stick around too. When you were talking about exercising for 17 hours a day, I immediately went to um, Biggest Loser and they were showing them exercising all the time. And then what a shock. They all gained the weight back because that is not real life. That's not teaching you any sustainable habits. So obviously that is an extreme example that I don't think most people are ever going to experience, but you can apply it to real life. Is it realistic for you to never eat carbs again or never eat any sugar again or never have a drop of alcohol again? or all these things that you promised yourself you're going to do forever? Probably not. So slow and steady, sustainable methods for the win, for lifelong success. Yes, that's that's what I would tell absolutely anyone. And of course, I would want to tell them like a thousand other things. But I think if I right. <laughs> to one big piece of advice, that's what it would be. 
Yes, for sure. There, yeah, there's a million things I want to tell you. <laughs> and all just a million you. questions I would want to ask, right? Like, oh, what you tried. Why is like, what's your motivation for wanting to be healthy or wanting to lose weight? But nevertheless, um, if you would like us to ask you those questions and for us to give you all of the advice we have about sustainable weight loss and how to be healthy, you know what to do. Fill out a coaching application. Let us help you one-on-one. Lauren, we're going to end with a big question. Okay. Oh, geez. I think this could be its own podcast episode. So maybe we'll have to do like a spinoff of this, but I've heard this a couple of times. Actually, this was brought up on a recent diet-free fat loss group coaching call. How do you talk about food with your kids? Oh, this is such a topic that is near and dear to my heart as somebody who grew up with a constantly dieting mother, very rigid in labeling her foods. And it had a massive impact on me for years and years and years. And then it, it breaks my heart to still see that going on for her to have her never broken through that, which means it is so, it's such a top priority for me to not give that experience to my kids. (laughs) I will never want them to have that experience. So for me, I first and foremost want to role model to them what I feel like is a healthy relationship with food. So that includes eating fruits and veggies because they make me feel really good. That includes working out to get stronger and to stay healthy and have strong bones. And that includes, um, you know, cooking a lot at home and not ordering pizza or something like that regularly because those meals make me feel better and they give us more nutrients and they give us better energy. And it also means having ice cream with them having treats on Super Bowl like we just did. We had a great, I was actually thinking about the Super Bowl when we were talking about emotional versus just having a treat. That was a really good example for me of, I just really enjoyed a higher calorie meal with my family. We had a great time that night and it was a high calorie, low nutrient dense meal, but it was so fun for me to have that with them. Valentine's Day, we had treats together. It's just really important for me to role model to them that those foods are not bad. They will never hear me say anything is good or bad. Those foods can fit into the context of an overall diet. I am very, even if I have to fake it sometimes, never say anything discouraging about my body in front of them ever. Never talk about weight loss. Never talk about, oh, my clothes aren't fitting right. Anything like that in front of my kids and never comment on their bodies either. And that's something with other people I've had to call out a little bit because it's never been like a, oh, they're getting too chubby, but two of my kids are are on the smaller, like skinnier side. And, you know, I hear people say, oh, he's so skinny, so skinny. And like, we don't need to talk about bodies. I know you're not saying that in a bad way, but then I have a third kid who isn't going to hear that. And I don't want her to think that that's a bad thing, that nobody's saying that to her. So no body talk. I shut that down. No black and white thinking, no good or bad foods, all foods fit. And I just try to my best to role model to them and to serve them healthy, nutritious foods. And I will be honest, my kids are picky kid eaters like everybody else. And they certainly are not eating as many fruits and veggies as I would like them to. (laughs) But it's a process. It's a process for them. And my number one tip is role model the relationship with food that you want for them. I could not agree more. You know so much more about this than I do, just having years of experience. <laughs> I have um, six months of experience, but right now I, I don't 
talk to Cole about food simply because I don't think that it's necessary. Like, even if he could understand what I'm telling him, right. I just don't think it's necessary aside from demonstrating to him, leading by example, I eat when I'm hungry and I eat what I know will leave me feeling good. And I encourage lots of opportunities for him to have access to different foods and different textures so that if and when he's ready to try new things, absolutely. That's something that he has the opportunity to do. I have found myself saying things like, you're such a good eater, or you did it. You tried something new, or are you telling me you're hungry or is your belly full? But always talking about how his body feels and how food is going to help his body perform. Never about how food impacts how a body looks or bringing any type of morality into the conversation. So like these foods are good or these foods are bad or we can't eat those foods. Never. I never want to incorporate that into the discussion as Cole gets older and you know starts to understand more when it comes to food. But I think the best thing that people with little, little kids can do is just lead by example. Like you said, be very patient. And I mean, we have to understand that they're going to go through picky seasons where they're not going to eat any vegetables. And like, that's not a reflection on you doing a bad job. It's also totally okay for them to like lean into their palate and try to give their body what it needs. And I think exposure is the best thing you can do in those instances, but keeping diet talk, keeping body talk just away from all dinner tables and all meal conversations is probably one of the most important things we can do. I do follow an account I just looked it up to make sure I'm telling you the right thing. It's called Feeding Littles on Instagram. So helpful. Yes. Just talking about like, but what does this color food help my body do? Or what does this nutrient help my body do? Rather than focusing on, you know, appearance and aesthetics. I do want to say that if you're worried about how well you're feeding your kids, you're probably doing a pretty good job. Because this is, I mean, I have an 11, nine and six year old, and I'm here to tell you that it's really, really hard. And I say that as a nutrition coach, like it's really hard. It's so frustrating. I had a parent say to me, like, what do you do? I give them food and they don't eat it. And I just see red. And I, I related to that a thousand percent. It's so frustrating to cook a meal and give it to them and have them turn their nose up at it. Just know that it's nothing personal. Their, (laughs) their taste buds are developing. They're exploring new foods and spices and textures and exposure is the best thing you can do for them. It's okay if they don't eat it right now and they eat a meal of, you know, crackers and cheese or something like that. Like just do the best that you can. Let them kind of learn on their own time and take some pressure off yourself. Because I think as parents, we put so much pressure on ourselves that if our kids aren't eating a perfect diet, we're failing. You're not failing. They're going to be fine. I promise. I grew up eating a lot of sugary cereal. I grew up eating mac and cheese and frozen pizza. And of course we had home cooked meals too, but they're going to be okay. I promise. (laughs) I was just going to say, you know, my experience is not universal, but I grew up in a household where there was no like body shaming and there was no diet talk. And my grandfather's a chef. So we ate pretty much anything and everything. And a lot of it was homemade. So I will say like, that was something that I saw early, like a lot of meals being made in the home versus meals eaten out. Although we did eat out sometimes and hit up McDonald's, you know, after soccer practice and stuff. But I ended up having an eating disorder. That was not my parents, you know, influence or fault or responsibility. That was just me navigating life. The most important thing we can do as parents is just help our children to feel safe exploring the world. And that includes food. And I think the more we try to pressure them to eat something or tell them they have to eat something or they can't eat something, the more damaging that's going to be to their relationship with food in the end run. 
And the more they're going to fight back against you. I mean, anybody with older kids, Cole can't do this yet at six months, but it does. If I'm really excited to show my kids a movie or if I, you know, bought my daughter a new pair of shoes that I was all excited about, the more excited I am, the less excited they're going to be like thousand percent. So just don't make a big deal about it. Set the food on the table, you know, eat your food, say that you enjoy it or whatever it is. But like you said, the more we try to force feed them, the more they're going to fight back and resist. And then I think when they're older and they have more access and more independence, they are going to bounce so hard back the other way and kind of like grasp at all this forbidden fruit that they've never had before. So yeah, teaching them balance and exposing them to healthy foods and exposing them to your role modeling of a healthy relationship with food is the best thing that you can do. Absolutely. Wow. These were some great questions. I think we got like, how many was this? Five, six? So Yeah, this was a good one. Yes. Keep them coming. We want to answer more of your questions. So whether it's Instagram, Facebook, send us a DM and we will include your question potentially in the next Q&A podcast episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.